Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Well, as we said, we have two guests this week. Uh, we've had uh, Congressman Deborah Ross, uh, Congresswoman Deborah Ross on, uh, as well as our state auditor, Beth Wood. And uh, she is now beginning her fourth term as North Carolina's elected state auditor. And uh, she's been on our program numerous times. And we particularly wanted to have her on this week because uh, very much in the news because of a recent audit uh, that uh, we want to talk about. But first of all, welcome to the program uh, and uh, congratulations on your reelection. Thank you, Don. It's, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Well, uh, the uh, COVID-19 situation, of course, creates very unique situations for us all. But as we said, we want to focus in this segment on a particular audit that was in the news this week that involves uh, how North Carolina is handling Medicaid and uh You've uncovered quite a number of interesting things. So tell us, tell us about what uh, your work is shown in this uh, particular case. So Medicaid is a $14 billion program in North Carolina. Of course, it's providing health care to um, 2 million citizens across North Carolina. And to get that done, we have 90,000 health care providers. And they could be doctor, dentist, in-home health care providers. It could be nurses. It could be physicians assistants. In order to be a provider in the Medicaid program, you must apply for and be approved to be a provider in the program. And so everybody has to submit an application. And when you do, this may entail background checks. Um, there'll be credential checks, making sure you got the right licenses or accreditations or certifications to provide the service that you're trying to provide. Could entail fingerprinting and it even could require some training. So the Department of Health and Human Services is required to initially um, approve all these applications of all 90,000. And then once every five years, you have to be recertified. And then all along the way, you're looking for anybody that may have had lost their license or had them suspended or terminated. So what we found, uh, I said terminated or um, a limitation put on the license. So what we found is that we looked at the licensing boards and we said, okay, who have you disciplined? Um, in 2019, they had disciplined um, a lot of providers. 66 of them uh, were providing um, services to Medicaid patients. 26 of them had lost their licenses or had them terminated. But Don, 18 that had lost their license or had them suspended were still providing services to our Medicaid patients in North Carolina. And then we were looking to see for any of these providers who had maybe limitations put on their licenses. So we have an oral surgeon who uh, had a patient that died under anesthesia. And so the medical board took his uh, oral surgeon license and his ability to, to give anesthesia, but they left him with his dental license and left him with a medical license. And so he provided um, services to 1,460 patients, and we paid him $1.5 million. And under those that were practicing without a license, we had one doctor who saw 2,400 patients in 2019, and we, the state paid him $1.2 million in Medicaid monies. And then we looked at the re-verification process. So in 2019, the Department of Health and Human Services re-verified 27,000 um, providers. 
we pulled a sample of 191 and we found that out of 191, 185 had not had their credentials checked to see if they were still able to practice. And we found one, I'm sorry, we found uh, six that did not have the proper credentials to practice. And then there was another 21 that didn't have documentation to support whether or not they should be practicing. And when DHHS looked at them, they found an additional provider who did not have the credentials to practice. So again, we've got in, uh, providers who don't have the credentials that should be uh, that they should have to provide services to our Medicaid patients, we found a number that were providing services and being paid with Medicaid money. So uh, did you project out how many of that might be if you did the whole the 90,000? Um, we, we looked at the population. We took them from, so the, the number that got re-verified in 2019 was 27,334 providers that were re-verified, that were up for re-verification. We projected the number, so you're looking at probably 1,093 plus or minus that would have been practicing um, without um, the, the appropriate licenses, 1,093, but we did not, we're not able to project the dollars. Can you recover that money that has been paid to these people who probably did not deserve to get it? Right. And we found um, of, of the six that did not have the proper credentials, we had paid one of them $11.2 million. Would you repeat that? Yeah, to say there's probably 1,093 out there that shouldn't be a provider, but we don't know how much that $11.2 million could be projected over the 27,000. That's, that's an incredible amount of money. And of course, you know, the sad thing about this is this is uh, a program that uh, is very much in need of additional money for legitimate purposes. Absolutely. You're right about that. Um, but the scary part is that you've got people that shouldn't be practicing treating some of the most vulnerable in need citizens in North Carolina. Well, this is, this is uh, very enlightening and, and uh, certainly appreciate your office going so deep. So what are your recommendations for correcting uh, this uh, huge amount of uh, questionable of, of spending of, of, of our money, the, the state's money? Well, the Department of Health and Human Services, number one, every five years, they should be re-verifying the credentials on everybody that's coming up for re-verification every five years. And so while they were having an automated process do it, we found that their automated process did not work. It didn't, it didn't re-verify the credentials. And so we have recommended that they either start manually re-verifying their credentials once every five years when these providers are due or, and or they get their electronic um, um, situation fixed so that it will re-verify their credentials. And then we have basically recommended that the department monitor anything they're running electronically and making sure that it's working because they thought they had this problem solved. They thought that they were going out there and looking for doctors who may have had their license suspended or terminated, but it wasn't working. They thought that they were out there verifying credentials, but it wasn't working. And so um, they thought they had these processes in place. And in reality, because nobody checked, they did not. 
So how long did this audit take uh, to conclude uh, and come to these conclusions? This audit went on, Don, for probably um, a year, but that was because of some starts and stops due to COVID-19. Um, the state of North Carolina is getting a tremendous amount of money, of COVID, a tremendous amount of COVID monies, CARES Act money in the door. So we have put some of our work down to go look at how those monies are being distributed. Well, this is uh, certainly a, a, a very serious situation. Now, do you report your audit to the General Assembly? Will they be the ones that will actually take the action? What happens from this point on? Well, actually, um, Dr. Cullen and the governor were very thankful for this audit because it pointed out something that they thought was not an issue, and it really is. And Dr. Cullen already has processes in place to fix this as we speak. And of course, her plate has been loaded up with some uh, very pressing matters. And, and uh, certainly you can understand how uh, she can only stretch herself so thin, but uh, it's a very serious situation. So, so the governor and Dr. Cohen will begin working on uh, remedies. How long will the remedies take in your opinion? Well, the immediate, um, they have a, a, a vendor that does the credential verification, looking for licenses in place, looking for certifications and accreditations. So that can be, they can put them back on a manual verification tomorrow. As soon as they get the contract amended, they can put them and make them start looking manually tomorrow. But to get the um, electronic based search, it's called a web crawler. To get that fixed, uh, Dr. Cohen says it'll be sometime in 2023 before they will get that fixed. That's a long time off. Uh, it is, but the, they, they can start um, verifying manually tomorrow. So that's that fix can happen immediately. It'll be manual, but it can happen immediately. I think I asked this question earlier, and we may be, uh, I, I may have not understood the answer, but these funds that were paid out that might have not been uh, earned, uh, is there a process to recover some of this money and return it to either uh the Medicaid funds or to the state of North Carolina? Absolutely. Once you have identified a doctor that should not have been practicing and should not have been paid, absolutely. Um, the Department of Health and Human Services could go back and, re and get that money back from them. The 1,093 that we, you know, uh, projected and, and sort of extrapolated over the 27,000, we don't know who they are. And so anybody else other than what was in my sample Anybody else that received Medicaid monies that shouldn't have, we don't have them identified, so that money's gone. Uh, and, of course, the Medicaid program continues to grow because more and more people uh, are, are uh, involved in Medicaid. And then on top of that, medical costs continue to go up. So it's, it's very important to, to get this under tow because already the funds, as we said, are short to begin with for very legitimate cases. And, and two-thirds of every dollar comes from the federal government. And again, like you say, the, the monies are running thin. So we need to make the best use of every dollar that is either the one third that's state appropriations and the two thirds that's federal dollars. All in all, they're all our tax dollars. Will the federal government try to recover money from us because we didn't handle the program well? Um, they will only be able to recoup from us who we can identify. So whoever we go after, and identify and get the money back. If, if DHHS chooses to do that, then we would turn two thirds of that over to the federal government. Is this audit complete or will you continue to, to uh, work on uh, follow up? 
this audit is complete, but I do plan, uh, we, we audited this program in 2014 and there were some fixes put in in 2017, as I just said, the fixes didn't work. And so we will go back probably in 12 to 18 months to make sure that they either manually or electronically fix the issues that I found. I guess the final question I have is, were you surprised at the uh, number of violations and the, and the amount of money that was involved? I was surprised. I, I, I actually, I was very surprised um, that something so critical, doctors that shouldn't be practicing, they're allowed to practice on Medicaid patients. I was surprised, particularly since we pointed all this out um, in 2014 and, and basically the same findings. Um, I was surprised that what they put in place, they had not tested it to make sure it was working. Will there be any criminal prosecutions against uh, those violators? I'm not sure how that works. I mean, the medical boards and dental boards took these doctors and dentists licenses from them. They're continuing to practice. So I'm not real sure what happens down the road to them. Well, this is a, an amazing story and a very interesting one. And, and I think all of North Carolina owes you a great debt for uncovering this because this will save millions of dollars and uh, allow it to be reassigned to the very purpose that Medicaid was created. Our guest is uh, the state auditor, Beth Wood, and we'll be back with another segment here of Carolina Newsmakers, and we'll talk about other work that uh, is happening in the uh, state auditor's office, and we'll do that right after these messages. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with State Auditor Beth Wood, and uh, as we said earlier, she just recently re-elected to her fourth term as the State Auditor. And uh, it's fascinating work that you do for the state, and, and everyone gives you high marks for your uh, ability and interest in finding wrongdoing that saves taxpayers money. And uh, 
uh, you, uh, while you are, of course, uh, affiliated with a political party, uh, you have been known to go after members of both parties with equal gusto, and that, and I congratulate you on that. That would be a true statement. <laughs> well, that's 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 exactly your job, and that's exactly what you do. You you are supposed to find out where our money is uh, ill spent, and uh, and you do a great job of that. So. Uh, we, we spent the whole first segment uh, with you talking about the recent audit that you did in, in uh, the Medicaid program, which is just eye-opening. Uh, what are some of the other audits that you have conducted and what are you finding these days? Well, we finished probably about eight months ago, or released about eight months ago, a um, audit report on the Department of Public Instruction. They've had online classes to date, about 132 but they have online classes um, about for about since 2008. And we had um, suspicions that the online classes were not meeting North Carolina required, required education standards. And these online classes are for um, their AP classes for students in middle school or high school that are wanting to go to college. They are honors classes for students that are gifted. And then there's some just some general classes. They're online so that students in middle school and um, high school can take classes that are not available in their own school. And so we looked into um, these 132 classes and we hired a subject matter expert nationally renowned to um, assess the classes against North Carolina education standards um, to reveal whether or not they were meeting these standards. And we picked 12 out of 132 and found that eight of the 12 did not contain the required course content, did not contain the required course content. We um, found that 11 out of the 12 were not rigorous as Department of Public Instruction guaranteed. They guarantee on their website. And this is for advanced placement students. Excuse me? And this was for advanced placement students. Yes. Yeah. And, and, the, and the rigor, they said, were the most rigorous classes that, you know, could be offered. And the rigor scale is from one to six. And we had the classes assessed at a one or a two in rigor. And DPI, um, to show you that we were right, as soon as we brought this to their attention, they took their guaranteed rigor off of their website. So we, um, and then they said, well, the teachers are going to make the difference. Well, they're not because um, these classes are pre-initiated, um, pre-done, pre-formed, and then they are handed out to teachers to teach. Plus, they have 677 teachers that are either developing the classes or teaching the classes, and over half of them had not received a performance evaluation, had been given a performance evaluation, but the rating was wrong, or they had gotten a performance evaluation and there were problems in the performance evaluation and nobody followed up on it. So, and all of this, Don, all of this was pre-COVID. So when COVID hit, then all classes went online. So classes that have been online for since 2008 were not meeting North Carolina education standards. You can just imagine when that switch flipped overnight the quality of the classes that were being taught online for this last year. I like the idea that you bring in outside experts to gauge the success of these programs because 
this takes the, the uh, politics out of the situation. Absolutely. It takes the politics out. And again, this is a, a vendor that DPI was using themselves to assess classes. Um, and these were her findings. The General Assembly um, told um, Department of Public Instruction Management that they had best go get those 132 classes evaluated and fixed over the next year. So we have not been back to see if that's happening or not because then COVID hit. Well, that's another question I guess I need to ask. Uh, the COVID uh, situation and the pandemic uh, circumstances that we've all had to work on, how much has that affected the work you do in audits and, and uh, uh, how has your staff adjusted to uh, the new uh, norm, the new norm, I guess we might say. It has slowed us down a little bit, but I'll have to give kudos to my staff. We pivoted, we pivoted within a week about how we were going to get our work done in a COVID situation where people are not meeting and able to sit together in the same room without masks kind of thing. So they've gone to virtual meetings, they've done virtual walkthroughs, they are passing information back and forth electronically. They're asking um, um, uh, auditees to show them in a virtual meeting documents that they need to see. And so, I, again, we have slowed down a little bit just because of it's a little more cumbersome. But for all practical purposes, our work is still irrefutable. The General Assembly are, are still taking our audit work and our findings and implementing laws so again, but it's all due to the commitment of our staff, because I tell everybody, Don, if the citizens of North Carolina cannot look to its state leaders in a time of crisis, who have they got to look to? Well, we were talking in between segments that uh, sometimes I think we all forget that there's no magic pool of money out there that uh, the uh, when there is a violation of the law or a lack of responsibility for anyone who is being paid to do something for the state of North Carolina, uh, uh, we're all paying for it. The honest people are paying for it. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. And again, I just shudder at um, all these kids, students that took these college prep classes, these honors classes, and thought that they were at the quality that they should have been prepping them for going to college. And in reality, the courses did not meet um, North Carolina education standards. And it's been going on for years. And well, in, this, in that particular case, not only was there a, 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 a loss of money, but also a loss of time on the part of those students. Absolutely. Uh, any, any other audits that you'd like to talk about? Yes, we uh, performed an audit at uh, Department of Transportation. They overspent their budget in 2019 by $742 million. Now, how, how can that happen? <laughs> well, Don, that's what the General Assembly wanted to know. So, <laughs> Sent me over there to figure out what went wrong. And but the big thing that I still cannot even imagine is that the Department of Transportation ran out of cash. They could not pay their bills. They had on their books at the end of 2019 $144 million in payables to pavers, architects, and engineers because they could not pay them. Some of those um, contractors had to lay off people because they couldn't meet their payroll. So the General Assembly went in and, and uh, sent us in and said, go take a look, state auditor, and see how in the world could this happen? And it was just that um, people were asleep at the wheel. Um, there were reports that would have showed them 
that the budget to actual wasn't going to make it. Um, there was reports that showed them how cash coming in didn't match cash going out, and eventually they were going to get in trouble, but nobody paid attention. We got 14 regional divisions across this state, DOT divisions, and we handed them their annual budget, 14 of them, and we said, here, go spend. And when they got close to the end of the year and they ran out of budget money, they would just borrow against next year's budget. And they've been doing this for years. So I thought at the end of the year, you would kind of settle up. If I borrowed against next year's budget or spent against next year's budget, next year's budget would be reduced. Well, it wasn't. So they go in next year and they get low on a budget again. They borrow against the next year. So this keeps going on until, yes, we ran out of cash. The state of North Carolina Department of Transportation ran out of cash. So I took all this information down to the General Assembly. I told them who was responsible and how it happened. And the General Assembly put laws in place to make sure that Department of Transportation never runs out of cash again, that they're monitoring on a month-to-month, week-to-week basis, their spending and their budget, and that they are uh, monitoring their 14 divisions, and they're only giving them a piece of their annual budget quarterly instead of giving them up front at the beginning of the year all of it to spend like they want to. So, again, um, we took this audit down to the General Assembly, and they did all the right things and put in the right law to make sure that DOT cannot get in this situation again. But if you would ever told me that I would have an agency in state government today that would run out of cash, I would be, I just wouldn't believe it. I would not believe it, not in this day and time. Well, many agencies that I've dealt with uh, actually uh, on purpose end up with a surplus for that very reason at the end of the year. Well, not DOT. (laughs) (laughs) DOT. But the problem with DOT is that the state allowed them to write their own checks, monitor their own budget, enter into their own contracts. They really were, there is no oversight of DOT, but because of the audit that we did, the Board of Transportation has been increased by four, and their responsibilities are different today than they were a year ago. And then the General Assembly has required the new secretary of DOT to put in dashboards so that everybody can see on a week to week, month to month, how things are tracking. Are you satisfied with uh, these changes and do you think this will fix the problem? I am satisfied with the changes. If they'll fix the problem uh, or not, I don't know. And, and it may come as a surprise, but just because General Assembly puts something in law doesn't mean somebody follows it. So we are going back in there next year to re-audit this exact same situation and look at whether or not all the things the General Assembly told them to do. We've already looked at um, a report that the General Assembly has required DOT to put together. And and our initial look, it's not a very useful report. It's not what the General Assembly was looking for. So again, um, in 2021, we will be in DOT to see if what the General Assembly told them to do, they've done, and if, in fact, it will prevent these problems in the future. Are you satisfied with your relationship with the General Assembly? I'm ecstatic with my relationship with the General Assembly, uh, but but I guarantee them irrefutable findings. When I showed up at the General Assembly to present my DOT report, and then when I showed up to present my DPI, my Department of Public Instruction report, both agencies showed up with me, and every argument they make 
or every time they open their mouth, I put their arguments in the dirt. I guarantee the <laughs> that if I put it in writing, they can take it to the bank. And so far, Don, I have not failed them. Well, I, I'm sure that they very much appreciate your work because, as you said, they can pass laws all day long. But the the bottom line is, are the laws uh, fully implemented and are they followed? If they're not, then why have them? And they are, I'll say this, they are our busiest decision makers in the state. And everybody's running at them with just enough information that sounds creditable. So the General Assembly depends on the state auditor's office, no matter who sits in this seat. They depend on the state auditor's office to bring them the information they need that's reliable so they can make the right decisions. And so far, Don, we have done that for them. Are they providing you with enough funds to get your job done? They do provide me with all the resources I need to get my job done. They, they provide me with uh, salary money so I can hire the best and the brightest. And they provide me with the training money I need. We are just getting involved in data analytics so we can identify from big data um, problem areas with a lot of dollars at risk for waste quickly. And so the General Assembly is providing me with all of the resources that I need to do our job well. Thank you so much for this enlightening report. Uh, our state auditor, Beth Wood. Uh, interesting. And if you'd like to share this information with others that might not have heard the program, you can go online to Carolina Newsmakers and Jason will put these uh, two segments up for you to, uh, to review and listen to the reports that uh, the uh, auditor has given us. Uh, as I said, our program has been produced by Jason Kong and he'll have an interesting guest for us again next week on this same group of stations. And so until next week, same time, same group of stations. I hope you and yours have a very, very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.